0: Said you know on top of that we we got some last minute news that we were getting some dignitaries the commander general of the military <laughs> hospital was coming no pressure uh, minister of state from the uh, the government was coming who was helping to you know endorse and hopefully fund the program into the future uh, we got the head of the uh, university of Rwanda and the anesthesia program to come and be part of it as well so suddenly we had this formal process <laughs> where we were welcomed dig- welcoming dignitaries.
1: Welcome to episode 55 of the Ups and Ghani Rick Care Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Um, today I'm joined uh, by Adam Mossenson, who um, uh, in a previous life was a trainee with me at the hospital uh, we work at. Um, now he's finished his training and he's a consultant, but um, he's got a... Um, uh, share with us some of the, um, experiences he's had, uh, um, was it last year,
0: Adam? Uh, when yes, was your fellowship? Fini- finished last year, 2017,
1: yes. 18. Over the last couple of years where he did a fellowship over in, um, Nova Scotia, um, but as part of that he actually, um, helped, uh, in the design and set up of a, um, really fascinating project in Rwanda, which, uh, which he's going to tell us all about and, um, um, so, yeah, we'll get on to that now, I think. So um, tell us a little bit about the, um, the fellowship that you, you had, uh, Adam, and how you started. Well, how did you find out about this and, and where did it go from there? Sure. Uh, so the fellowship
0: actually uh, was a global health fellowship at the University of Dalhousie in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, in Canada. Uh, I found out about it whilst doing night shift at uh, King Eddie's. Uh, searching for something a bit different to do in a fellowship year and trying to tie in some of my interests in uh, public health and kind of broader aspects of uh, health delivery. And this was a quite unique uh, offering and program. So I contact the, contacted the program supervisor and really just signed up for the fellowship, not knowing exactly what the year would uh, encompass.
1: And um, <clears throat> so what's the weather like over in uh, Nova Scotia compared to Perth, was it? Yeah.
0: It's, yeah, it's wonderful. So it's uh, in the Maritimes. <laughs> it's uh, a true four seasons. So it gets cold in in winter and hot in summer. Uh, very you know, interesting to spend a Canadian winter. It was quite mild whilst we were there. Yeah, yeah, it was good.
1: What time of year did you pitch up there, or was
0: it? Uh, uh, so I started in uh, July.
1: July. Mm-hmm. So that's the middle of summer. So that's a nice easy way to ease into it, isn't it? I yeah, exactly right. Gradually becomes cold.
0: Rhododendrons blooming, and it was all beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, went downhill from there. <coughs> um, <coughs> And then of course, uh,
1: so I was um, asked by Adam if uh, uh, if I could be his um, ANSCA supervisor of training from a distance, which was, which was pretty good, because at the time I remember I was having surgery on my Achilles and I wasn't even at work. Um, so uh, I, I was getting all these interesting emails over the next sort of six months, well, uh, six to 12 months so about all these exciting things he was doing um, overseas, and um, it was fascinating to hear um, what he was getting up to. <coughs> um, but I guess... Uh, Probably the most interesting thing that, uh, that I wanted to sort of talk to you about today was the project you, you got into, in, um, uh, the vast um, project you got into, involved with in Rwanda. So tell us a bit more about that and, and how that came to be.
0: Sure. Uh, so it really started uh, right at the beginning of my fellowship. I was sitting in my supervisor's uh, living room with the uh, head of anesthesia training at the University of Rwanda who was visiting and the three of us were sitting around thinking about what our, my year would be and what my fellowship uh, would yep. encompass, and uh, built on the idea and uh, possibility of expanding the work that had already been done in Rwanda. So they had been through the relationship of uh, Dalhousie University and the Canadian Anesthesiology Society International Education Foundation, or CASIF, had been working for nearly a decade in Rwanda building... Capacity for anaesthesia training and uh, teaching, and had done a huge amount of work in simulation training, building a simulation skill centre, doing some research into uh, the anaesthetist non technical skills uh, framework and whether this was relevant in Rwanda, and doing some background study on building anaesthetist non technical skills with low cost simulation. Yep. But that all really focused a lot on the medical system and training uh, medical officers and physician anaesthetists, and really. There wasn't much crossover to doing some training for the non-physician anesthesia provider, which by uh, a far stretch uh, covers most anesthesia service in Rwanda, certainly, and in the majority of low-resource settings. So from there stemmed this idea of developing a short, uh, dedicated training course that covers core aspects of safe anesthesia practice uh, at the district hospital (coughs) level for the anesthesia provider in that setting, which often is a a non-physician anesthetist. And then the idea quickly uh, spiralled from there to to make this uh, course as um, applicable and as uh, deliverable in any low resource setting. And certainly, we piloted it in Rwanda, but it's now being taught in a a varying number of different countries in different uh, contexts. And we've got a plan for uh, expansion even further.
1: I just wanted to take you back a little bit because Adam gave our department a bit of a talk a few weeks ago, and. um Actually, the, uh, in the beginning of your talk, you did a little bit of a background stuff about the World Health Organisation Global Surgery Initiative 2030, and it was really fascinating. You showed some um, statistics about um, the, the anaesthesia workforce in the in the world, you know, how it varies, and um, what are some of the sort of pertinent facts that um, maybe some of the listeners won't know, be aware of. Sure.
0: Uh, so in recent uh, times, there's been some great... Uh, uh, changes in terms of the mindset of what uh, anaesthesia and surgical services are and whether they have a a valid role in terms of essential health care and provision in low resource settings so really there's been a big mind shift to think that these are uh, essential components of universal health coverage and are elements of universal uh, human rights and should be accessible to to everyone regardless of low versus high uh, income country Uh, and that really provision of essential uh, anaesthesia services and surgical services are a cost-effective and viable public health strategy. Yep. And the way to uh, achieve the most uh, gain from that is to provide this service at the first level or district hospital, the kind of referral centre. And if you can provide essential services for caesarean section, for trauma, uh, doing reduction of open fractures, for example, and emergency laparotomies, you can actually provide a very uh, cost-effective public health intervention yep Uh, so stemming from that then there's been a a big uh, world federation societies of anesthetists global health workforce study showing that we are uh, under providing anesthesia services in um, many if not most low resource uh, settings uh, and that is either physician anesthesia providers or even you know non-physician anesthesia providers and there's a huge amount of work that needs to be done in terms of training and development of the anesthesia workforce. Yeah. So that kind of background led into our design of uh, Vital Anesthesia Simulation Training, or the VAST program. Uh, And really, we have targeted the course to look at the anesthesia provider working at that district hospital level, and the the core kind of clinical content and the case mix that we present in the course covers all of those essential uh, surgical services at that level.
1: And that, um just your, your discussion about that just triggered me my, my memory of a um, podcast I did earlier on when I was learning how to do these um, with one of the uh, GP anesthetists who uh, originates from South Africa, telling me um, about his experiences when he was a young trainee um, with the with a girl who walked um, you know across a minefield uh, uh, from Angola to get to um, northern Namibia where he was based, and then where he had to do a cesarean. Um, to deliver her uh, dead fetus which was floating around in her abdomen after she'd ruptured her uterus uh, back in the village and then how she walked back across the minefield <laughs> a couple of days later when she when she'd recovered or when she managed to get up uh so yeah i can't remember what the podcast that was but uh, that that's um it's true isn't it so uh you know uh, access to all these sort of emergency services is um uh it's really good to see that it's come on the WHO um, radar, along with all the other things that they've great things they've done in the, in the past with vaccinations and um, other things, the, and that, that they're focusing on. Um, so tell us about your experience. here what was it like when you first uh, got to Rwanda? That's probably quite an interesting thing
0: to explore. Sure. Uh, so I had um, lots of uh, preparation and. Um, time uh, for the first three to four months in Canada speaking with other colleagues that have been and also had some Rwandan trainees that were uh, in Dalhousie doing some training as part of their uh, mentorship program. So had uh, a lot of time to get mentally prepared for it Um, and it already started to develop the idea of uh, Vast and what the work would look like and had written some uh, of the first scenarios for the the program. Um, It was... uh, I think always you know, an eye-opening, interesting uh, experience. And yep. certainly, I think the universal um, reflection from people that do work in low-resource settings or do this kind of work is that you end up learning significantly more from the people that you go to teach than you can ever impart. And certainly in Rwanda, the, uh, the welcome that you receive and the enthusiasm that you get as a teacher trying to uh, impart some knowledge on you know, the trainees and your other colleagues is just overwhelming and despite the fact that the days are long and the theatres are hot and, uh, you know, it is sometimes quite uh, tiring and trying, it is hugely valuable. Um,
1: and so um, tell us a little bit about the actual course uh, and what it involves and then what the experience was with the um, with the people who were involved in... in um my understanding from remember from your talk the first the, the inaugural um, course that you had was, uh, there was a little bit of pressure unexpected pressure from some political uh, yeah. characters who turned up on the day yeah exactly <laughs> how so, was that?
0: so I had uh, a year of uh, fellowship time and yep. uh, in the first six months was really focused on building this idea of what the course would look like and uh, developing the processes for how we can try deliver immersive uh, involved uh, simulation training but outside of a uh, very dedicated, high-cost, high-resource simulation lab. Um, That happened quite uh, easily, I guess, through the fellowship because I had lots of time and opportunity, thanks to Dalhousie and my supervisor, to uh, develop the program. But really, uh, other than the first trip that I did uh, to Rwanda for a month or so in October, where I did some initial piloting of the materials, a lot of this had been developed in... uh, relative isolation in Canada and not really tested yep. uh, in the flesh uh, and certainly the individual scenarios have been tested but the VAST course itself is a three-day uh, program where we run two parallel simulation groups that often get together for some you know, case discussions at the beginning of the day and then there's lots of moving parts and complex um, factors in also including uh, trainee facilitators that we've developed through our facilitator course and really, before the pilot, none of this had been tested in one uh, continuous uh, stream. So it was a hugely uh, stressful and unknown um, process as to how it was all going to work. And as you said, you know, on top of that, we, we got some last minute news that we were getting some dignitaries. The Commander General of the military hospital was coming. No pressure. Uh, Minister of State from the, uh, the government was coming, who was helping to you know, endorse and hopefully fund the program into the future. We got the head of the uh, University of Rwanda and the anesthesia program to come and be part of it as well. So suddenly we had this formal process (laughs) where we were welcoming dignitaries and doing a um, a demonstration scenario so they could see what VAST was all about. And really, we didn't know what VAST was all about at that point ourselves. (laughs) But it all went went down very well. We ran uh, three pilot courses over a a month or so in uh, January in 2018. And then I still had another six or so months of fellowship uh, to refine our processes and refine the course materials and really develop what is now uh, the VAST course, which is uh, what we would say an immersive means of delivering simulation training uh, over a three-day program using quite low-cost but effective uh, resources.
1: Maybe it'd be quite interesting if you could just um, describe to us um, just sort of at a rough level what? What actually, what sort of scenarios are you getting the participants to go through? What are the things uh, that you're actually teaching and that'd be really interesting, I think, for the this?
0: So there's a core focus, as we said, on these essential services that are provided at district hospital level. So the first day we focus on general surgery and uh, a a laparotomy case. Uh, And as part of that is uh, airway management using a difficult, uh, unanticipated, unanticipated difficult airway uh, management uh, process. Uh, we then on day two focus entirely on obstetrics, so there's uh, pre- and uh, post-operative obstetric management, um, including uh, general anesthesia for cesarean section and spinal anesthesia management yep. uh, and post-operative complications. And day three, there's a focus on uh, paediatrics and trauma uh, management. Each of the scenarios though, are built to have uh, different levels of complexity, but also to tie in dedicated focus on non-technical skills because that is something that you can quite effectively use simulation to to teach and to uh, focus on which you can't really get an idea of from just uh, lecture-based or you know case-based discussions in addition we try to make the courses dynamic and interesting by building in other themes such as uh, communication amongst team members and team behaviors uh, the importance of uh, consent uh, some discussion on uh, welfare and, and burnout amongst colleagues because that is a major uh, concern, certainly in our setting but also in uh, and low resource settings
1: ter- terrible over there as well
0: Yep. and predominantly we also use uh, the participants in the course as the simulated patient, so not using uh, high fidelity mannequins or really mannequins in most of the scenarios, and then we can get to explore the the role of the patient and what the communication was like between the uh, medical team and the patient and how that experience potentially ca- can be improved
1: and uh, I'm really interested to know you know so you, you I think you strived a lot to get some feedback from the from the um, participants <clears throat> what was the sort of um, most common feedback you received you know what were the things they really enjoyed or felt that you that you really um, contributed you know what, what mm-hmm. sort of comments
0: did you hear What have yeah. you heard back so far so we've, uh, in addition to, to running the course and doing uh, evaluations at the end of the, each of the courses, we've done a, a formal study now looking at the, the course and the impact on participants' non-technical skills yep. and have done that as a mixed methodology study looking at a, a, the qualitative components of the course that people find valuable. And one of the things that's interesting is that uh, a lot of uh, anesthesia providers in this setting have had a very varied and sometimes limited formal uh, education program or training in anesthesia so one of the other core elements of the course is to focus on some quite uh, recognized and effective uh, frameworks and algorithms for uh, preparation for anesthesia early crisis management routine patient assessment uh, handover and clinical examination and really a lot of the feedback is that uh, people really appreciate having these quite standardized and structured frameworks for approaching right pre and post operative care and crisis management because maybe uh they didn't have these structures to kind of hang their uh, initial you know clinical um interactions on before the other thing is that people very much appreciate this discussion on non-technical skills and mm. the, the value of teamwork and communication and how that can really have a massive <coughs> impact on patient care
1: yeah that's really interesting and um tell me uh well tell us a little bit about how you try and do or how you have um tried to set this up so it's a self-fulfilling thing you know teaching uh, a lot of the participants that then go on to become facilitators and run their own courses which I think was a a big drive from the start wasn't it Yeah, exactly so
0: so that's um completely tied into the the course design and is a a integral part of uh sustainability planning so it is it's great for us to be able to come as visiting faculty from you know Australia, Canada, the US to to visit places and try to teach the course, that's one element and that certainly has to occur. Um, But handing over of course delivery to local faculty that then can run it with a much deeper understanding of the local context, can do it in the local language uh, and can uh, deliver it and expand on the program based on what their needs are is uh, extremely important. So in addition to the course, we've got a a facilitator course that we always run in conjunction with the BAS course. And then on subsequent courses, we mentor the local faculty to become independent facilitators. And so now in Rwanda, we have uh, delivered the course eight or nine times. And the last uh, course has been done entirely by local faculty in Kenya, Rwanda, uh, not with any external facilitators. Uh, The challenge is to See how we can uh, maintain quality of course delivery and uh, do some ongoing assessment as to uh, the outcomes and the deliverables. The same with uh, you know local faculty versus international faculty coming. Yep. And then also developing sustainable uh, funding for ongoing course delivery.
1: And who uh, who's helping with the funding at the moment? You were saying that some of those dignitaries uh, that came along. You know from the university and things in Rwanda are very supportive, is that that funding it basically? They have to sort of provide leave and let the people actually get away from their clinical roles and things like that, don't they?
0: Yeah, so that's a massive challenge and obviously this is a time-intensive process and getting clinicians away from their work where we already know that there's not enough anaesthesia providers to provide the baseline uh, amount of care and then taking people away from their clinical duties uh, is a challenge, so having... The local society and the universities and the hospitals are on board to prioritise people getting off their clinical duties is uh, hugely important. Uh, we have been partnering with the Canadian Anesthesia Society, the World Federations of Societies of Anesthetists and also now the Australian Society of Anesthetists and ANSCA to uh, get some external funding and support and then in addition to that there's uh, other um, external either non-for-profits or funding agencies so Intrahealth has just uh, helped fund the last courses in rwanda and we're hoping we'll continue to fund them uh, into the future on a more long-term uh, strategy and it just needs to occur on a kind of case-by-case basis in each different region that we're trying to deliver the training to come up with the most uh, sustainable and effective way of getting funding in the long term
1: yeah just out of curiosity sort of what sort of um level of funding is required to run one course um, mm. I mean I guess it varies obviously um, and it's hard to say but just yes. what, what would you say would be a sort of um, a ballpark figure yeah, to run so a three-day course yes yeah, so as,
0: as you've uh, highlighted it's very different and it's very different the, the first course that you run where it's predominantly international faculty and you don't have that local facilitator network yeah. uh, versus four or five courses down the line when really maybe one person is flying in to just provide some very you know, higher level kind of uh, mentorship and uh, it's predominantly local faculty run. So we need, obviously, to set up the initial simulation resources that uh, costs about uh, 1200 or $1,300 for all the printing and the, t- the teaching materials. Yep. The majority of the mannequins and the uh, simulation resources that we use are usually uh, established already as part of core kind of teaching materials. We just use part tasks, trainers and very quite simple and robust um, other materials so there's usually not too much of a setup cost Uh, so really the ongoing course costs are similar to any other course where you would need to pay for meals and uh, pay for a venue and then some uh, recurring printing costs for booklets and other uh, resources but it's in the realm of a few hundred dollars once you've established the initial teaching materials and uh, have the local <coughs> faculty doing the predominant uh, role in teaching.
1: And just out of curiosity, well, uh, how did they um, cover the absence of the um, people who are participating? Were there other people actually in the local workforce who just covered them for the day or did, they, or did they, what did they do?
0: Yeah, look, I'm not sure in terms of uh, each individual course how they cross-cover each other for for leave but i guess it's like any other Hmm. uh, department or rostering there's one poor sucker that has to do the the allocations and try. someone
1: someone gets to go and have fun with the uh guys from canada and yeah that's right the other person has to um work for 100 hours in a row that's
0: right (laughs) and and hopefully you know the next time the course comes the person that has been the time before will be the one that puts their hand up to be in theater and someone else can come and get some training um so i guess
1: um i I imagine a lot of listeners are really um uh, impressed with, uh, with with your course and how it's how it's um, been helping in uh, in what is obviously an area of need it makes us very grateful for um, the country we live in and the resources we have. Um, is there anything? I remember you were mentioning that um, uh, when you gave us your the talk the other day about iPads and. But what sort of things could say if a listener is um, wants to uh, help or be involved or just even just lend some support? Mm-hmm. What sort of things could they do? So
0: uh, I guess there's different levels of support. Uh, If people are interested, say, with a background in simulation training or in teaching in low-resource settings and are wanting to be part of the program, they can certainly reach out to us through our website and through our email and be be a volunteer into the future. And uh, we can certainly help partner with uh, them to uh, do some training in a country they might be interested to visit to or already have some established relationships in. We're certainly expanding uh, where we're delivering the course now, so we will need an expanded network of volunteers to help uh, with that. I'm in the process of hopefully uh, establishing establishing VAST as a registered uh, not-for-profit with charitable uh, status into the future, so there may be a a realm for tax-deductibility donations and help uh, with Mm -hmm. uh, expanding the course that way in the future. Certainly, if people have... um, Older iPads or new iPads that they're not uh, using. (laughs) Brand new, yeah, that's right. Um, One of the key things that we use is just uh, paired iPads using quite simple but um, very uh, good uh, sim app to be able to deliver the simulation. Yep. Does it have to be an
1: Apple uh, iPad at the moment? Unfortunately, the the app is
0: only uh, on Apple. Um, and that and that will help a lot because that is one of the, the key costs of setting up the simulation equipment.
1: Right, that's interesting. I wonder if, if you've considered approaching Apple itself um, um, and uh, telling them about, about all the good work you're doing.
0: Let's see if they've got any that they fairly just want ri- to... Fairly uh, rich company. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Siphon a few off the side, maybe. Um, well,
1: that's great. So um, any other comments that you think would be... Uh, that, 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 what, what are the main things that you've learnt yourself, you know, in this experience, you know?
0: well it's a, you know it's it's been a very um, complex process with uh, lots of moving parts, and certainly you know I've been driving it and uh, am at the the helm trying to steer it forward, but it's not done in isolation and there's a huge uh, network and group of people that uh, help with the you know ongoing delivery, but certainly in establishing it and uh, my supervisor Dr. Livingston, in uh, yep. Halifax was instrumental as was. Uh, Dr. Christian McQuasey from the Military Hospital in Rwanda with the, the co-authors uh, with me of the program and then many others who have uh, volunteered a special mention to Michelle Murray who's the simulation uh, nurse uh, specialist from Canada who helped a lot with the initial course planning and uh, processes but really it's a a, a massive team that helps to, to deliver all of this and I couldn't be more grateful for the support that we've had from the world federation of societies of anesthetists the canadian society and now coming back home post fellowship from the asa and uh, ansca with thinking about this program where it fits in with their initiatives and their priorities and seeing how we can support delivering it in a bunch of uh, other places
1: are there any uh, so just you yeah, very quickly as well where are the other countries or places that are um, on the horizon or potentially um you're going to roll out to in the future
0: yeah so we've uh, now uh, run it in uh, Rwanda obviously in Ethiopia uh in India we've yep. also run it in Canada uh, recognizing that global health and uh, uh under-resourced areas play pretty close to home mm-hmm. so we run it in some uh, remote areas of uh, Canada uh we're d- soon to be delivering it in Fiji in Tanzania right. uh, and in another region in India and uh many other discussions with uh, other partners to maybe run it in Kenya, in Sudan, uh, in Vietnam. Lots of uh, opportunities. It sounds
1: like it's uh, developing a life of its own. So um, so uh, thanks <clears throat> thanks for sharing uh, your experiences with us, Adam. Very inspiring and uh, um, yeah, keep up the good work. So um, um, I'll, I'll put some links on the um, web page that this podcast is hosted on with uh, links to your website and um, We'll have a chat in a second when we finish if there's any other sort of uh, useful links that you think might, might be useful to the listeners.
0: Great. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review. This will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.obsandguiningcretcare.org where there'll be lots of show notes and links to uh, interesting videos related to the topic that you've just listened to. See you again next time.